Turn our Bibles. Um, if you have your Bible, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 24. And I know what you just said. Luke chapter 24, I thought that is where we were this morning. Yes, that is where we were this morning. And I believe, um, thankfully, Pastor did not emphasize a text that I'm going to emphasize tonight. And so I, 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 I pray that um, you will not be turned off, but uh, we'll still open your uh, mind and heart to what the Lord will um, teach us tonight. And one of the things that Pastor emphasized, and um, rightly so, is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the fact that the wounds that he bears, those are testimony. The testimony, not just of his love for us, but a testimony that, yes, he is the risen Savior. You see, they, they, I, I call the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ a scandal of Christianity. Why do I call it a scandal? It is a scandal because it is the only thing that sets Christianity apart from all other world religions. If you go to the tomb of Muhammad, if you ever find where it is, you will probably find him there, rotten. If you go to the uh, tomb of Confucius or Buddha or just name any, any person, you will find them there. But if you go to the tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is not there. He is risen just as he said, as the angel said. But we also realize when we look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what preceded the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is actually his death and burial. And the death and burial of our Lord Jesus Christ are very integral part of our gospel message. In fact, that is how the apostle Paul will define the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 15. That it is the death, the, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we also realize in every part, or let's say the four different gospels that God preserved for us and inspired, we realize that each one of them has an emphasis or has its own presentation of what we call the Great Commission. And we realize that uh, different ones of them have uh, different emphases as they come uh, to talk about the, the important message that Jesus wanted to leave with his disciples. The, the, the final marching orders that Christ wanted to leave with his disciples. And as we turn to this text, I, I want us to realize how Luke records the Great Commission. And so for the purposes of tonight, I just want us to look at starting in verse uh, 44. Verse 44 says, and he said to them, this is Jesus Christ after he had eaten. In verse 43, he said, these are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. 
Verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 48. And ye are witnesses of these things. Now I would like to read again those two verses that I want to center my challenge on this evening. Verse 46 and verse 47. Bear in mind when the Bible was written, there were no chapters, there were no verses as well. So let me just read as though these, this is, these are not different verses, but just one sentence. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you will bless these times and these moments together. Father, the brief moments that we spend in your word, Father, I cry out to you tonight that you will make them of eternal value. I pray that believers will be encouraged and if there is one here who does not know you as Savior, that they may come to know you tonight. Father, will you use me to your glory in Christ's name, amen. Tonight I want to preach to you on the topic, the necessity of our gospel witness. The necessity of our gospel witness. In, 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 say it simply or uh, uh, put simply, I am going to say it is necessary for us to be witnesses. And now the, the, the emphasis I'm, I'm putting is it, in the word necessary. Or the necessity. Now when you look at what the Lord Jesus Christ said. He said it was necessary. And I want us to look at what is the foundation of our gospel witness. The Lord Jesus Christ laid the foundation. And that foundation, the first foundation he lays is his death. How many of us will say that the death of Jesus Christ was necessary? It was necessary. In fact, if Jesus Christ had not died, I don't think that we would have been here today, okay? We wouldn't be here tonight. If Jesus Christ had not died, the whole world would have still laid in sin and in ruin, condemned by the righteous justice of our holy God, isn't it? But because Jesus Christ died, there is hope for redemption. But it's not just that Jesus Christ died, but also the fact that he rose again. And what I want us to realize that the Lord Jesus Christ said, these two things, his death and his resurrection, were necessary because they were prophesied before they happened. He said, all things that were written by concerning me by the prophets, that's the law of Moses, and that, if you look at what Jesus Christ said, that just encapsulates the entire Old Testament. The law of Moses, that's the five, first five books right there. The, the, the prophets, that's the major prophets and the minor prophets. And he said, and the Psalms, that includes all the wisdom books, or all the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. So what the Lord Jesus Christ basically was saying, every single thing that was written about me in the Old Testament, it is necessary that all of these things come to pass. And at the head or at the epitome of everything that was prophesied about Jesus Christ, his life and his work, at the center of all of that is his death and resurrection. 
But as we realize these two truths, in fact, as we realize the death of Jesus Christ, it is the death of Jesus Christ that brings us to the place where we can confidently say, if we are truly saved, that all my sins have been paid for on Calvary's tree. It is only in the death of Jesus Christ that we have hope to be reconciled to God, just like Paul said in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. It is in the death of Jesus Christ that the sinful world, in fact, as Paul said, men and women and children that were dead in sins and trespasses can be brought together in a relationship, an eternal relationship with the Holy God. It is in the death of Jesus Christ that somebody like me can ever have hope of eternal life. And so do you. But we also realize he also emphasized his resurrection. As Pastor mentioned this morning, the death or probably the, the scars and the wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ do not prove that he actually accomplished our redemption. But when he rose again, it was proof. It was God's stamp of approval. Yes, your payment for the sins of the entire world has been accepted. It is a full payment. It is a sufficient payment. And it is the only payment that I, God, will receive. And I put my stamp of approval on that death. One preacher said it this way. When Jesus Christ went to the cross and died, he wrote the check for the payment for our sins. But when he rose from the dead. That check did clear. It is our only hope. In fact they, the resurrection is so important. That the apostle Paul. Will go in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And enumerate the implications. If there were no resurrection. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. But now I want us to realize. Secondly. Not just the foundation of our proclamation or of our witness is built on the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want us to realize the necessity of our witness. Do you realize that those two verses that I just read, when we look at the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the third thing that the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned, a lot of times we do not see the connection. Let me read those two verses again. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins be preached in his name. So basically what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying is this, it is necessary that I I be crucified. It is necessary that I go to the cross. It is necessary that, that that spear was plunged into my side for blood to flow for the redemption of the entire world. It is equally necessary that I be risen from the dead to validate that work which I did in my death. But do you realize the third thing Jesus Christ said? It is also equally necessary that repentance and remission of sins be preached to all nations. And so this is the import of what I'm saying. As important and as necessary 
as the death of our Lord Jesus Christ is, as important and as necessary as his resurrection is, in the same citadel, in the same platform of importance and necessity, is the necessity of preaching repentance. You probably think that is going too far. No, look at it. It is a logical connection. And in fact, it's not just a, a logical connection. It is a necessary connection. Let us imagine it this way. I'm just making this up. Let us imagine we are all found in this room and thankfully we are all here. But let us, God forbid, but let's imagine that this room gets on fire. God forbid. But let's imagine it gets on fire. And somebody is passing by and somebody knows that this room is on fire and there are souls or there are human beings in this room that are perishing if nothing be done about it. And let's imagine that one of us managed to get out of the doors. What would we expect that person to do? Find help, right? At least call 911. But let's imagine this person who gets out of this place looks back say, oh, poor people. I'm thankful that I got out of there. And the person went about their daily lives without uttering a single word about what is happening in this room. Or let's imagine the person never does anything, never calls one one, never calls anybody to tell of the situation in this place. And now probably what happens is that he comes back at some point and thankfully we all have not perished. But then he tells us, I knew that you guys needed help. But guess what? I didn't get help for any of you. I didn't tell anybody about you. I didn't tell anybody that you had a problem that needed a solution. How many of us would really be impressed with that person? None of us, right? Now, the point I'm making is this. We all realize that the world lies in sin and transgression against the holy God, right? And we all know that the only solution that the world needs is not just that the economy be fixed. It's not just that they hear words of comfort, but it's ultimately that they need Jesus Christ in order to be saved and be reconciled to God. How necessary is it for us to tell them of that message? It is, like the, 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 it is like a scenario that you know that they all, somebody is, is, is sick. And their sickness is terminal. And you, 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 you happen to be the only person that knows a physician that can help them in their ailment. And actually, probably not just a probability that if they get to that physician, that person will be healed. But in fact, it is certain that if that person gets to that physician, that person will be healed of their terminal disease. If you do not tell them, do you realize that you are actually responsible for their death? 
Do you realize how great, how great it is that when we know that the only message that saves people is the message of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished for us on Calvary's tree. When we know that as the only message the world needs and we refuse to tell them, do we realize how responsible we are for their going to hell? It is like what the Lord told the prophet Ezekiel. He said, I have set you as a watchman in Israel. If you see distraction coming into the city and you keep your mouth shut and distraction comes into the city and consumes the wicked person that is in the community or that is in the city, you realize Ezekiel, that person sure will perish. But you know what? I am going to require that person's blood in your hands. And it, is, it wasn't just the prophet Ezekiel. They want us to realize each one of us is like that watchman. God has set us up. And wherever we find ourselves, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we find ourselves, in our sphere of influence, God has strategically put us there to be like that watchman. To warn people of their necessity to receive Christ as their Savior. If we do not do that, number one, we are being just simply disobedient because Christ tells us to. You know what he said in verse 48? He said, ye are witnesses of these things. You see, he was basically telling the disciples, you were there when they took me up to that cross and put me on it. Maybe you were far off, but you saw it. And when I rose from the dead, look, I showed myself to you. And now I want you to realize that as I give you this mandate, as I give you this commission to let everybody know about my death, my resurrection, and the repentance that can only come through those things that I have done. You have seen it all, and I want you to tell others about it. I want us to realize as we turn to Romans chapter 10, you may not have to turn there, but I just want to read you what the Apostle Paul, when he came to faith later in our Lord Jesus Christ, how he approached that commission and how he argued for the necessity of that commission. Look with me in Romans chapter 10. These are very familiar verses starting in verse 9. The Lord, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And we say amen, right? But he continues and here, for with the heart man believers unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 18, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And again we say, amen, we want to see that happen. But look at his logic as he continues in verse 14. He, he then asks the question, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. 
But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When the apostle Paul said, so then faith, that word faith is a noun form of the verb to believe. Whosoever believe will be saved. Whosoever has faith will be saved. But before they got to that point where they can believe and be saved, they need to first of all hear. How faithful are we in making sure that the people that we desire to, to be saved and we can, we can rejoice with them, how faithful are we in sharing with them the only message they need in order to be saved. Let me close with this. Albert B. Simpson, he, he has captured this, the burden of this in these words. He said, to the regions beyond I must go, I must go. Where the story has never been told. To the millions that never have heard of his love, I must tell the sweet story of old. To the hardest of places he calls me to go, never thinking of comfort or ease. The world may pronounce me a dreamer, a fool. Enough, if the master I please. In fact, that, that verse in our language, the way he said, if the world may pronounce me a dreamer, a fool, enough, if the master I must please, our language translates, I don't care. You may call me a fool, you may call me a dreamer, I don't care, if only I please my savior. Oh, you that are spending your leisure and powers and those pleasures so foolish and fun. Awake from your selfishness, folly and sin, and go to the regions beyond. Look at this verse. He said, there are other lost sheep that the master must bring, and to them must the message be told. He sends me to gather them out of all lands and welcome them back to his fold. To the regions beyond, I must go. Till the world, all the world, his salvation shall know. It is our responsibility to make sure that the world around us knows that Jesus died for them. It is our responsibility to let them know that he rose again. And that if they come to put their faith in him, they will be saved. They will have eternal life. They will have their sins forgiven. And they will have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But until they hear, they have no chance of being saved. May God help.